but if you dodge, you can probably take three, maybe even four psychics. If you don't dodge that psychic, that damage will echo through the next five generations of that Gengar's <laughs> family. <laughs> you'll, you'll have to you'll have to revive it with your whole inventory in order to use That's it again. Right. <laughs> Clear. <laughs> <laughs> You're tuned into the GoCast podcast, your one-stop shop for updates, news, tips, and community in the world of Pokemon Go. Thank you for listening. GoFest Seattle is right around the corner, just not physically for most of us. Maybe Campfire is a little warmer and brighter than we initially thought. Monkey see you, Nova Stone. Monkey do evolution. I'm just so excited for Buzzswole, guys. And more on this episode of GoCast. Hello and welcome to the GoCast podcast, episode 199. Yes, after this, we legally cannot be sold in a dollar store any longer. I'm your host, Chris, and as always, I'm joined by my co-host, Kyle. Hiya. Hey, Kyle. How you doing, man? I'm tired. Yeah. Oh, boy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I got a little window here on my screen where I get to see you, and boy, you look tired. <laughs> now, hey, it's been a long, long, long week. It's only going to lead up to an even longer week, but a long week for a good reason, because next week is all GoFest Seattle shenanigans. I'm super excited. Uh, but we'll talk about that in just a moment here. It is July 15th. Just before I forget, it's a Friday evening. Yes, we're having a little bit of a, of a different sort of recording schedule this week because we had, you know, that gap week and then we had other things. Anyway, I'm doing my best to to keep up. But if you're not a patron and so you aren't aware of what the schedule was, 198 came out. Oh, geez. I want to say about five or so, four days ago, something like that. Three even? I don't know. Pretty, Monday? Pretty I think it came out Monday. Monday. So about four-ish days ago. And then the interview with Greg from It's Super Effective and VRE Cast and several other uh, projects, that interview just went up. So that's very exciting. And we intend to have this one up before Starlight Community Day on Sunday. So it's pedal to the metal. But one thing I want to say at the beginning of the show, in case you don't make it all to, all the way to the end where we have the email section, episode 200 logically follows after 199. There's no way around it. We're not going to be able to skip it or something like that. So we're <laughs> I'm making it sound like we're not excited. We're excited. We have a lot of fun things planned for it. You know, all that good usual stuff that you've gotten from us in the past for anniversary episodes. But we're not going to record before we leave for Seattle next week, which means that everybody listening to this will have a week and a few days to submit anything that they might want to. And you're like, oh, for what? Well, here's the thing. It's episode 200. And like we said to our patrons uh, in the discord, we want everybody to have the chance to be a part of it with us. So if you'd like to send in an email for episode 200 or send in a voicemail for episode 200, let me give you that number really quick. It is 262-586-7717. And our email is mail at gocastpodcast.com. Um, if you'd like to send in something about episode 200, we'd love to hear from you. And we'd love to add your voice to the, wow, it's it's already quite, it's a deluge of messages so far. So I'm <laughs> very excited to work through them. It's going to be really great, but just a heads up on that. We'll reiterate all of that at the end of the show again, but hey. 
Speaking of patrons, shout out to three brand new patrons of ours since the last time we recorded. Thank you to Allison, Nick, and Tyler. We very much appreciate your support. Thank you so, so much, and we hope you're enjoying the Discord. All right, Mr. Kyle, last week we set some goals. Are you ready to pay the piper, face the music, whatever the phrase is? I think those are both right. Yeah, yes, I am. Okay, great. Last week, you said you wanted to best buddy your third Gengar. I did. Ooh, nice. Did you finish the special research over this weekend? Was was that supposed to be for the new Team Rocket, the the Giovanni one? Uh Uh-huh. Field Notes, Team Go Rocket, or whatever they called it. Field Uh, Notes, Team Go Rocket. I don't think that's what they called it. Did they call it that? I really hope they did. Do they really? Oh my gosh, it does say that. He just held up his phone to his camera. How did I not <laughs> notice that? That is ridiculous. So, um, so no, as as evidenced by having held up my phone to Chris, I did not do it. He's step two out, out of six. I didn't do any grunts. I, I didn't do any. I did one. I think I did one grunt this whole week. Okay, well, good for you. I had quite the opposite experience. We're not there yet. 600,000 experience. Oh, geez. I totally forgot about that goal. How did I do? I did do that. French experience for the win. Excellent work. That's two out of three. You've doubled the amount of successful tasks you had since last week. Okay. Well, hey, that's not bad. That's (laughs) progress. Uh, For myself, I wanted to do 50 Team Go Rocket, you know, just encounters towards the medal. I did more than that. I'm actually only 90 away now from the platinum medal. I did quite a bit. I think I did like 80 this week. Wow. Yeah. Finished the special research. I did do that and the timed research, quite obviously. Uh, and then finished my lucky trades with my sister. I definitely did do that. Those are all squared away. And one million experience. I'm 100,000 short. So that's a no for me. So three out of four. <laughs> Send me that belt back, Kyle. Or at least the half that you had. I think you tied last time. Anyway, I'm very excited to kind of like take a second to catch our breath in this episode before we sort of dive into go fest. So why don't we get into that? Starting with the news. Yo, what up? It's the news. All right. We got two very short news stories for you and they're kind of rehash on something we actually already talked about, but it is, it is positive. So here we go. The first one is from their, you know, event recap post about go fest Berlin. It was, titled thank you for coming to pokemon go fest berlin and there was an entire write-up there's pictures a lot of fun stuff but as always i can't help myself and i pulled out some of the fun little things that they reported so the two statistics they reported this time were trainers caught over 14 million pokemon and trainers collectively explored over 300 and 300 thousand kilometers which is like a lot of kilometers i think i don't know how many people were at Go fast, Berlin. <laughs> you know, that wasn't listed. So. I know. That's the problem. Yeah. Like, you know, part of me is like, well, how many of those are actually legitimate? Because obviously it's an like event. But two or three thousand people were there is what they were saying. Or maybe that was per day. I don't recall. I mean, it's I don't That seems really small because Chicago Go Fest each day was 10,000 plus. Yeah, but I'm not entirely sure if maybe the uh, locale of Berlin didn't have as yeah. much space. Well, I'm just saying that. now, if you just consider perspective, seven, yeah. you know, let's say seven thousand players over the course of three days, three hundred thousand kilometers is is an awful lot. Three hundred and three, dude. I'm rounding down. How could you? Well, that actually that that's pretty on brand. 
<laughs> it, it's right. practically 400,000 kilometers anyway. It's almost midnight, 100,000 kilometers. And the second piece of news is Dev Diaries introducing Campfire. They did the thing. They did the meme that people were talking about online. Actually, no, they, they didn't. People, if you're not aware, people were making some jokes about how if, because the Dev Diary had been late, if it was just going to be the Campfire announcement, just copy and paste it again and call it a Dev Diary. It might look like that on the surface, <laughs> but the contents of the actual dev diary, very different. So I'm not going to read the entire thing. I pulled out one aspect of it that was one of our, well, it's kind of counter to some of the concerns that Kyle and I voiced last time we talked about this. So we were introduced to Mikey, just Mikey, kind of like just Adele, Pokemon Go product manager. And the quote I pulled out was trainers want to quickly and easily coordinate with their friends while playing Pokemon Go to maximize the usefulness of Campfire's social features. We integrated certain features within Pokemon Go itself from Pokemon Go's in-game map. Just tap the Campfire icon and you'll see where other trainers have lit flares. Think of flares as beacons, real time markers that direct attention to a particular location, which will help you identify where to meet up with other trainers. This will make coordinating raids and meeting up with your fellow trainers much easier. And in a future update, one of my favorite campfire features will be available in Pokemon Go on the in-game map. Alongside flares and gyms and all that other fun stuff, you'll also be able to see pictures of Pokemon caught by other trainers. This is actually kind of a big deal. These photos will exist on the map right where that Pokemon was caught. So if you're searching for a specific Pokemon, these photos are a great way to decide where to go next. One of my favorite memories of Pokemon Go is hearing a friend shout out that they found a Dratini nearby, inspiring the rest of us to run over and try to catch one too. We hope this photo sharing feature will create many more thrilling experiences like that for trainers. All right, Kyle, I'm going to let you take a crack at this first. This seems to kind of address our main concern. I mean, it doesn't address some of the basic feature things that we were talking about before, like your replies, checking who did reactions to posts and things like that. But as far as its integration or usefulness within the game itself, it seems to go in the opposite direction of what we thought it was. I, I think that on paper, it sounds good. Like, But I think the major thing it's going to show is making it easier to see where nests are. Oh, yeah. Which, look, I'm going to be honest, already should be in the game. It should not be something extra. It should just, just show where the nests are. But this is going to be a byproduct of of this type of feature. So this is pretty good. But again, it's like, how much is this integrating in between campfire and go? We have to wait and see for that to happen. I think that's just my biggest hesitation for anything they do with campfire is how well it integrates directly with go versus indirectly. Like it will, like it does at the moment. Yeah. I mean, the phrase was on the in-game map, alongside flares and gyms and all the other stuff, you'll be able to see pictures of Pokemon caught by other trainers. So to me, that means that it's in the overworld map and go. Okay. But see here, that's your, we're interpreting it differently then because flares are not in go. Flares are right. in campfire. Right. But they were just saying prior to that, uh, for Pokemon Go's in-game map, just tap the campfire icon and you'll see where other trainers have lit flares. That's because the, when you tap the campfire icon, it opens up campfire. <laughs> right. I agree. That's how it works now. But that campfire map is not, sorry, the campfire icon is not on the in-game map. It's just an icon. So I think them saying 
from Pokemon Go's in-game map, you can see where other trainers have lit flares. And again, that opinion, yeah. No, 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 you're, you're definitely misunderstanding. There is a campfire icon right now on the overworld map. Right, if you have campfire. If you have access to campfire. When you tap that button, which you can do right now to go see flares, it will open up campfire and bring you to your location in campfire, which is what the first section is saying. It's saying that and now and saying that when you hit that button, it will open campfire and then show you pictures that people have submitted for Pokemon as well as gyms and flares. What I'm saying here is that the use of the phrase in-game map, even using your original understanding of it, the second part in a future update, one of my favorite features will be available on the in-game map alongside flares and gyms and all, everything else. You will see pictures of Pokemon caught by other players or other trainers. The in-game map is not how they refer to the campfire view. That's just their, their map, their world map. It's different. That's in that app. The in-game map implies that it's in-go. I think we'll wait and see is, <laughs> is all I'm going to say. I'm a, someone, else, someone else out there, bookmark this, this moment right now. When this feature comes out, we'll come back and revisit it. All right. I mean, it, the way you're describing it is how it works currently, but it's not out yet, which makes me yes. feel like it could very much change because it doesn't seem to serve us in the way that we like it. we would like it to in its current iteration. But then on, on the same note, this is once again, and like I don't want this to sound super negative about Niantic, but it's once again them crowdsourcing the work to the rest of their players when they could do it themselves. And like, I don't know. What do you mean by that? You know, p- people make a lot of grief about the scanning Pokestops yeah, and I can, stuff. I can get behind that with scanning. Now this is them mapping where spawns are by players submitting content back to them when they already know where those spawns are. Like they already exist. There are people out there who can read the spawns on the map without being there. So that means that the game already has that data without you having to be there. Right. But they they will only show you pictures of the Pokemon if trainers have caught them. So it does add a level of exploration of like, there's this massive dead zone. People aren't in there catching. I don't know what I'm going to find. And so I think that's so much more, That's so much more interesting for a player, especially from my perspective, (laughs) like the the natural sort of exploration than there is just a flat map, because what's the fun in that? How is that any different from a scanner? I think in your example, I have the exact opposite reaction. If this is actually fleshed out and used and I see a dead zone with nothing there, I'll be like, I'm going to avoid that because there's clearly not anything worthwhile or somebody would have already done it. Somebody would have already done it or... Wait, what? You, no, that doesn't make any sense to me. That just if, means if you see a dead there. spot with no pictures submitted, yeah, yeah. Your first thought is, "Ooh, I can explore it and see what I find." My first thought is, somebody else already explored it and didn't find anything. But if somebody explored it, they would have like pictures of ratatas and you know other things you don't want that are in there. No, if it's, it's nothing- only if they submit it. Isn't that what this says? I, I assume that you have to go out of your way to submit the fact that, hey, I encountered a ratata here. If it auto-populates, I, I, re- I take back my all my statements that I've said. Yeah, but it that's says not my be, understanding here. It says you'll also be able to see pictures of Pokemon caught by other trainers. It doesn't say anything about submission or anything like that. It could very well work out that way because one of the things I was just about to bring up is that this is a lot of information on a screen. And I'm sure it would take quite a bit to load up every single time you open your game. 
in the counterpoint why I was thinking this. We hope this photo sharing feature will create more thrilling experiences is one of the last lines we shared. Photo sharing implies more active interaction from the player than just catching it. It implies they took an AR shot, for example, Mm -hmm. and shared that. I think this is just a prime example of this seeming like it's clear communication and clearly it is not. Yeah. So my my point is, if you have to submit photos in order for this to work, I see all sorts of negatives. If it does automatically, I think there actually might be some compelling stuff to be had there. I'm team campfire is going to change the world. So I'm hoping that it is all this automated, (laughs) nice, smooth user experience stuff. That'd be really great. Niantic and smooth user experience. Name a more iconic duo. Uh, yep. All right. I'm going to let that, I'm going to let that low fruit just lie. (laughs) All right. So that is the end of the news section, which means that we're moving right along into gear up. And I'm excited for Kyle to talk about this particular topic because he's, what's the word passionate about it? (laughs) Yeah. So this week on gear up, we're doing what's the big deal with Gengar. Talk about, you know, I, I love Gengar. It's, it's my favorite Pokemon. We talk about it a lot. It happens to also be very meta in Go. Must be nice. <laughs> for very obvious reasons. Must hey, be very, very nice. You'll you'll have uh you'll have Mega Caesar eventually. It'll be it'll be worthwhile then. Will it though? Because I think we talked about Mega Caesar before and it didn't seem to I'm I mean, in terms really... of bug types. Okay. The, well like what <laughs> I think I'm, I think Mega Heracross will probably be better, but yeah. like that, whatever at that right. point, honestly. <laughs> but Gengar, ghost poison type. Gengar is the OG ghost Gen 1. It was the only ghost in the gen. You know, it's the only choice you had. 261 attack, which is good, but not like earth shattering like it seems like when we talk about how much of a glass cannon Gengar is. I think it's like. 75 out of 800 when you rank it, which is still pretty good. 149 defense and 155 stamina. Both of those stats are actually almost exactly middle of the pack for those two, which is very strange when you look at them after having talked about Gengar for so long. For fast moves, Lick, Hex, and Shadow Claw. Lick is a legacy move. We'll touch on that in a second. For charge moves... I'm only listening to the ones that are like even remotely noteworthy because Gengar can know far too many. Shadow Ball, Shadow Punch, Psychic, and Sludge Bomb. Both Shadow Punch and Psychic are legacy. Don't worry too much about Psychic. It's just a fun one to include, though. For best moveset, Lick or Shadow Claw and Shadow Ball. Everyone already knows Shadow Ball is amazing. It's, It's one of the best charge moves in the game, no doubt. So Lick, like I said, it's legacy. It is better than Shadow Claw. So if you really want to use an Elite TM, not going to stop you, but it probably would stop you. It's like 2% better or something like that than Shadow Claw. But the biggest difference is it's a lot easier to dodge when you use Lick than when you use Shadow Claw. But ask yourself, when was the last time you dodged when you did a raid? Chris, um, a lot, a lot when I was using Mega Gengar against Mewtwo because I wanted it to be alive for more than one. Exactly. Move. So yeah. Lick actually has really good value. It's just not strictly numerical. Yeah. But numbers, 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 
18.1 DPS and 350 TDO. That puts it as the third best overall ghost type behind Giratine O and Chandelure. But it's second best in DPS behind only Shadow Banette. Shadow Gengar wins. <laughs> no kidding. Shadow Gengar wins. I would hunt for that grunt so much. Oh my God. I didn't even think about it, by the way, until I wrote this that they have that to release as something for people to chase. You'd hunt it to the ends of the earth. I would. And I would hate every moment of it because chasing specific grunts might be the worst thing in this entire game. To but the anyway. ends of the earth. So Gengar is very good for specific, for obvious reasons. That's why Gengar has really high DPS, but that TDO is, it's, it's not very good. Thankfully, there's something you can do to help with that. Dodge. That's right. One of the few Pokemon that I actually actively try and dodge with is it's Gengar. And it makes an insane amount of difference. I don't actually know the numbers on this one, but I think you take like 75% less damage when you actively dodge something in Go. I think it's more like you take 90%. Like yeah, really, it, it's it's quite a bit. And that's a really big deal, especially for the last section that we're going to get to. But know that dodging is very valuable for Gengar because Gengar usually will take maybe one charge move from whatever you're fighting before it falls over. And then next mega Gengar. It's just, it's just, it's just, it's just Gengar, but bigger. And also if it's shiny, he turns white pink. It's, it's good. It's everything that Gengar does except for better, except for better. And it's already the best ghost type mega in the game. The ones we don't have right now, they're not going to compete. Okay. Mega Banette will compete a little bit, but not, it's not worth it. Don't worry about it. By the way, I looked it up. It looks like it's about 75% of a damage reduction. At least that's one of the only figures I can find. For <laughs> oh, I was right. I was just guessing. Yeah. Dodging <laughs> itself has a cooldown of 500 milliseconds. Yep. Everything's measured in milliseconds in raids. Who has time? <laughs> Nobody. Definitely not me. I'm dodging. That said, the one downside, the one major downside for Gengar is its poison typing. It's, it's kind of a big problem. Because poison is weak to count, poison is weak to psychic, and ghost counters psychic. So, ghost doesn't resist psychic. So you still take super effective damage there, and that is a real big bummer. And that is why dodging is such a big deal. Because one psychic from that Mewtwo will kill your Gengar, but if you dodge, you can probably take three, maybe even four psychics. If you don't dodge that psychic, that damage will echo through the next five generations of that Gengar's family. <laughs> you'll, you'll have to you'll have to revive it with your whole inventory in order to use That's it again. Right. <laughs> Clear. And, <laughs> and all of that said, all of the trauma from the psychic type damage, Gengar is still one of the best options to be using against any psychic raid boss. Although, if it has a double psychic moveset, I will highly consider bringing something that's not Gengar. Because that's just a bad time. So, I, I love Gengar. I'm really glad I get to use a lot of Gengar. I need more Hundo Gengars in my life. And also, as a final note, Shadow Gengar win. Quite honestly, 
Shadow Gengar will look so cool. It'll oh. have the the ga- Shadow Ghastly will be hilarious because it'll have right. its smoke and the shadow smoke. Yeah, like mm. is this shadow? I can't. T- oh yeah, look at those is eyes. Yep, yeah. <laughs> the eyes are forty or no, like sixty percent of its surface area. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, anyway, cool. I think we all love Gengar. I think just about everybody has some love for Ghastly Haunter or Gengar or all three. They're just so iconic, and I mean, like, even beyond the scope of a Gen Oneer, they're iconic. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. cool stuff. Well, let's move on to something that's kind of an example of the opposite now, shall we? Great. It's the <laughs> Pokalore section, and this week we're going to be covering. Well, it's you might have noticed this new little monkey if it's new for you because it's a regional over this past weekend. Panseer, the high temp Pokemon, and Simiseer, the Ember Pokemon. Starting with Panseer. Panseer is a simian red and cream Pokemon. Its head is red with a world tuft on top. The tuft contains a flame and can reach temperatures of 600 degrees Fahrenheit or 315 degrees Celsius. Panseer has oval eyes, a tiny nose, and large ears with orange insides. Its muzzle, upper body, and skinny forelimbs are cream colored, and its hands seem to have no fingers aside from a thumb. They're like mittens. Panseer's lower body is red with small feet, and its long tail has an arrowhead-shaped tip. It's a devil, I guess. (laughs) Panseer makes its habitat in both forests and volcanic caves, and has been known to roast berries before eating them. I feel like all these ideas have been in other Pokemon. Like, none none of this seems particularly unique now that I'm thinking about it, really. No, no. Look, uh, finish reading, but the... These three Pokemon literally existed to teach trainers elemental advantages in the generation yeah. that they yeah. were from. So, well, on to Simiseer. Simiseer is a simian Pokemon that is primarily red. Its ears are broad with orange insides. It has oval eyes and a small black nose. It has a swirled flame like tuft on its head with a smaller tuft on either side of it. Simiseer has white shoulder ruffs and a cream colored face, chest, fingers, and toes. Its hands have five fingers and its feet have three toes. Its fluffy, swirled tail resembles a flame. There is a flame flickering inside its body, which it fuels with sweet foods. It is also capable of scattering embers from its tail and the tufts on its head. I really hope that it doesn't live in the forest. Then I hope it just kind of goes to that volcano because it would burn that forest down in like two <laughs> seconds. Yeah, right? Yeah. Well, stats for Simiseer, max CP at 40 is 2350. And at 50 is 2657, 181 stamina, 133 defense, and 206 attack. Largely uninspired. Best moveset, fire spin with crunch and flamethrower. Seems to be a clear answer from both PvE and PvP perspectives. Although if you are going to use it in PvP, it's kind of like not going to work out for you based on (laughs) everything I read. PvE similar situation you're better off literally just getting a charmander and then getting a, a charizard with even the wrong moves i think you might be better off yeah so yeah like kyle said this pokemon pan seer pan sage and pan poor all sort of just existed for being demonstration tools a little bit and then they had some fun evolutions because they had the evolution item i think the pan seer needs a firestone in the main series games Mm-hmm. And these three take Unova stones in Go. So there's there's probably another teaching element 
baked in to that Pokemon there as well. But I mean, I think they're they're fun designs. I, I like the first, the, the basic stage of them a lot more than either of the evolutions or sorry, any of the three evolutions of these monkeys. Kyle, any any pros whatsoever? I know that you've aired your grievances about <laughs> these Pokemon in the past, but they are kind of cute, at least. I think Pansir is probably the best one of the bunch. Agree, same with Semiseer of the, for the second stage. But even at that point, they're just kind of okay. Oh, man, I'm going to push back on you. Semi-Sage is so much better. No, I mean, I, I disagree. Semiseer's hands are just so funny. It's like he's doing jazz hands. Yeah, but Speaking that's okay. Yeah, I don't know. I like the I like the hair, the the big tuft from uh, from Simi Sage. It's hilarious. Oh, I do not. I don't like it. I think we can it's all like a weird a weird Elvis thing going on. A little bit, a little bit. Uh, but we can both agree that Simi poor is not good. Yes, yes, we can agree. It's not it's good. It's weird looking Pokemon. It's just really weird. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, anyway, that was Poke Lore, which means that, wow, we're we're on to Poke Pole already. How exciting. You say already. It's 36 minutes, 35 minutes. <laughs> yeah. Last episode's question was, which Ultra Beast release are you looking forward to the most and why? First response is from at Kitty Rambles. They said, Guzzlord, purely because their design is ridiculous and I love it. We're all on the Guzzlord hype train. All yeah. of us. Yes. Everybody. Next one's from Greg. And they said, I need Cartana. That's uh, Greg from ISE. So if you want to hear some <laughs> more of Greg, listen to the interview. Cartana uh, is a weird one. I, I, haven't, I haven't established my feelings about Cartana yet. I don't think. You, you don't like it? I, I don't know. Not yet, at least. Okay. All right. Next one's from Venusy Prime. They said, I'm interested in seeing if Blacephalon ends up being like a Lola Marowak for other leagues, at least. Interesting. Maybe, maybe. The use for the ghost clown would be appreciated. That'd be awesome. Next one's from Modders. They said, hello, gents and DeFi. The Ultra Beast that really gets my boat a-rockin' is UB05 Glutton, a.k.a. Guzzlord. I have loved this spherical bad boy since I watched the anime series with Minimot a while back. How can you not admire a creature who has to move its tongue in a wave-like motion in order to eat? Loving the content as ever, chaps. Cheers. Glad, glad to know that we're all on the, the Guzzlord train. I'm sure he's going to be just awful and go as a result. No, please no. Please I no. I don't know what you can do, but what is he? Dark Dragon, right? He's, yeah, he's, he's Dark Dragon, I, I dragon. believe. Yeah. Yeah, he's Hydra Gun, yeah. <laughs> oh, man. We but just like, got that. Wait a like, minute. I think he's got weird stats, whereas, you know, Hydra is just good because it's a pseudo. Right, right. I mean, you know, and Ultra Beasts have good stats because they're essentially legendaries in a lot of yeah, ways. Yeah, but they have weird spreads to the stats. Right. Like their total is good, but. Didn't they also have interesting abilities and stuff in game? Because I know like Beast Boost is no, a they, thing uh, in the main all, series. All band. Ultra Beast had Beast Boost. Okay, which that was, it. was amazing, but oh yeah, it's very not good. relevant. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But yeah, I'm on I'm on the Guzzlord train. Choo choo. Next response is from Fire Drillin', aka Carlo. They said Heracross may have a special place in my heart, but hands down, the best Ultra Beast is easily Buzzwool. Themed after Minnesota State Bird, the mosquito, <laughs> <laughs> giving it a, a diet of protein powder and a daily workout regimen. That would make Arnold Schwarzenegger blush. 
gives us the best bug fighting Pokemon. <laughs> so does State Birth of Mosquito. <laughs> hey, this is where you like type it into Google and that is actually the first thing that comes up. That'd be so funny. That'd be great. Yeah, Buzzswole, meme. Buzzswole is, is, is good. It, mm-hmm. I remember when Buzzswole was like released and we were finding out about it and I thought this might be the worst design Pokemon's ever done. This is terrible. What, what is this? It's not Pokemon. And here we are. 10 years later oh my god it's been 10 years and we love him he's i think he's bottom half of ultra beasts but he's still good yeah that's okay that's your opinion whatever i still think it doesn't look like a pokemon but i mean the ultra beasts look like digimon crossover pokemon they really do yeah but like some stand out more than others but i would agree i would agree stack attacka is straight up like a dragon quest monster Next response is from Darth Ninja Lemon. They said, my favorite Ultra Beast is UB04 Blaster, a.k.a. Celestila? Celestila? I think, yeah, something like that. It's got to be Celestila. Like like Celestial, but with a steel in the middle there. I just love steel typing in general, and this design is phenomenal. I'm not going to steal all text from its eventual folklore segment one day, but I wanted to share this sentence with everyone. Celestila is a large, vaguely humanoid ultra beast with a bodily construction that resembles a cross between a space shuttle and a bamboo shoot. Let that sink in for a minute. So I just, I'm just going to say right now, a cross between a space shuttle and a bamboo shoot is an accurate description of Celestila. Yeah, yeah. But vaguely humanoid is not um, a description of, of Celestila you know, at you, all. You can throw vaguely in front of just about anything. And basically, no, it doesn't have pain. two arms and then two legs. Like, it's not even vaguely in the shape of a human. It's kind of got a face with like a hat on, though. That's yeah, that's it's vaguely face shaped. Look, man, name another animal that wears hats besides humans. Uh, anything that a human puts a hat on. <laughs> that's true dogs that's and true. cats first and I foremost know. i suppose <laughs> but, but of their own volition i've never seen a cat like you know when we when i went to go and adopt copper back in the day i didn't see like cats in there with like fedoras and like you know <laughs> don't lie you probably would have adopted one though if you saw one out out there like you got a hat on yes that's right yeah if there was one that was like walking around like a little like you know not a one gallon hat not a 10 gallon hat one gallon hat and uh he was like rowdy partner i would have taken him home yeah <laughs> sorry keep going this is this is a Anyways. dumb tangent <laughs> our last one here is in the form of an email from starman they said hello i am looking the most forward to the release of poiple and naganat Naganadel. Naganadel. Naganadel? Yeah, it's not Naganadel. Okay, well, Naganadel sounds like something from Lord of the Rings, and this does not look like something from Lord of the Rings, so I take offense. But, (laughs) okay. I think Game Freak in general needs to be more willing to let legendaries evolve. It makes them more interesting and more exciting, in my opinion. I have no idea how good they will be competitively, but I know the designs are cool. My apologies for the length of this email. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah i i think those two are are pretty cool and I, I agree on the idea of evolving legendaries i think as long as you work it into the story it's it's can be good yeah i mean they've already broached the uh breeding thing too you know with manaphy and 
Fion, right? That's the one. Oh, I actually yeah. remember this time. I'm so proud of myself. Wow. I know. The, you want to talk about forgettable. <laughs> yeah. No those are, they're forgettable if they weren't unique. Right. Exactly. Exactly. So this week's Pokepole is, let's be honest, not every Pokemon debut or shiny release in Pokemon Go is going to be hype. How do you think Niantic should approach these debuts slash releases? This is, of course, partially in response to some underwhelming reactions for Starly Community Day, I feel. Yeah, I feel like <laughs> this has been a, a question worth asking for a while now, because even when people would largely say, yes, every event has been a banger for like six months, there is still a shiny release that people are like, really, this is the featured shiny this can't carry an event. And then it always bleeds into the conversation of our shinies content, which I don't want to go there today. Not today. Not today. I, maybe, I, I maybe next month. We'll have to rehash it at some point in time. That's for <clears> sure. <throat> but I am kind of curious if not a community day for the release of Starly as a shiny, then like what other venue would be more appropriate? In my mind, I can understand people being like, oh, that's underwhelming. I'm not too excited. But that doesn't mean that's not the best place for that to be, right? Yes, but I I disagree. Okay, good. I, was, I understand. I was what counting you mean. on that. <laughs> <laughs> I think the community day is the wrong place for that to be. Like, just full stop. I don't think in any situation it works. It it only works in this case where the Pokemon can already hold its own, anyways. Mm-hmm. Or it which, gets a new move that makes it super relevant for some reason. Yeah, like you know, like Sveal. Right. Which, exactly. You yeah. know, people were excited for it, but. It had that whole issue with, hey, we just released the shiny and it had the scarf. So what the heck? That was not even a month ago. But right. it had great moves. And suddenly that made it relevant. Yeah, Icicle so, Spear kind of just uh, obscured our view of any other complaint. But I think the right time to release them is in the middle of something going on. Like it doesn't even necessarily have to be the feature for the event. Just release it. Just be like, hey, after this event's over, Starly can be shiny from now on. Nothing special about it, but now it's worth checking. Whereas it feels like you lose something by having it as community day because something else could have been community day. And I don't think there's anything wrong with something just coming out as the shiny. They did it for Pidgey. Pidgey just had an event where it's like, hey, it's shiny now. I don't even remember when it happened because it was so long ago now. But I was expecting that for Starly for a long time. And then when they held off on it, you're like, okay, they're going to they're gonna do community day. You, Right. It's been too long now. And I don't know. I think they just they need to put the somewhat air quotes here filler Pokemon in places that filler goes. And I and I mean that in the nicest way because I'm not trying to like trash talk Starly in that capacity because I, I like it as a Pokemon. Yeah. But like. I don't know. I feel like community should be featuring something the community is going to be excited about, not doing something because they need to release the shiny for it. Yeah. And I feel like they've been doing a good job of that with adding other things to community day. Like they were much better before in the past of pairing the exciting bonuses of like XP and Stardust with the underwhelming Pokemon choice, right? For community day. And mm-hmm. I feel like we've sort of gotten away from that. Sometimes we're like, why Why do we have four times hatch distance or, you know, f- one fourth of the hatch distance or whatever, right? Like that doesn't that doesn't always add up anymore. And it used to feel like it did. But with the added experiences of them kind of exploring what community day is, 
I feel like it's more acceptable now than it has been in the past because it's sort of like a celebration of the Pokemon. They have the extended raid period after. They've been better about adding moves that aren't completely trash. Like Gust does improve Staraptor's, uh, you know, loadout. Does it make it relevant? No, but it is still an improvement, so people will get it, right? Yeah. I mean, and also there is Shadow Starly to consider. That's right, dude. And it is, it is good. I like, found one get me and wrong. saved it. I am it, so ready. Was it any good? <laughs> yeah, it's like in the top 100 rank for G, uh, GBL for Great League. Oh, like, okay, cool. I'm pretty excited. I'm pretty excited. I will I, forget about it on Sunday. <laughs> yeah. Well, did you did you TM it? Yeah, I week? did. Yeah, in okay, anticipation. Cool. I did. Man, I know. I, who am I? Right? <laughs> Just one thing to sort of push back. I think what you're saying is exactly right. And I think, you know, I, I got to admit, fair criticism 100% right that if if we want events to truly feel special and it needs to be like the event in the month that consistently people will come to because not everybody's going to do a go fest not everybody's going to do a battle weekend uh certainly not everybody's going to be doing a raid day or a spotlight hour but community days are but community days are supposed to be the de facto we are playing Pokemon Go together event that happens consistently and isn't just an mm-hmm. annual event like a Go Fest, right? So I think you're right that it ne- they need to prioritize making a chase in that event as often as they can. But pretty recently, I saw a post, somebody had shared it. I think it was Cress on Twitter. Yes, it was Cress on Twitter. And it was a graphic of, you know, how many Pokemon have been released out of Pokemon Total and Go and Shinies and things like that. We're getting down to it in a lot of categories. Yes, and so yes, we are having no like like knowing that I'm kind of okay with them doing middle of the road Pokemon for Community Day because it does extend that that life cycle a bit longer. I don't know. I think that there's other middle of the road choices. I I I mean it in the nicest way. I generally think that Starly's not middle of the road, and I think it is more like bottom of the barrel in terms of choices for a community day. When I think about that though, I don't just think about usability. I do think about popularity and a lot of people do like Staraptor, but I also, I mean, I, I'm not talking purely like meta wise. Cause I don't okay. like that. Doesn't, that doesn't actually matter that much to me unless it's like earth shattering. Like, right. I was really excited because Hydreigon actually turned out to be an amazing thing. Right. But I also mean how common it is too. It's, it's, it's a big factor. We've been catching hundreds of starlies for like three and a half years now you know (laughs) and like obviously you got to do common pokemon eventually but i feel like there's still so many semi-common pokemon that would be good i mean like you know just an example that could you know change things up scyther do a scyther community day yeah you know evolution stone requirement it still evolves so it's not like that crazy and it's been out. It's shiny's been out forever. It's a nesting Pokemon, so it's you don't have to worry about people needing fifty thousand shinies. And and pull a Swablu Community Day and release the Mega. Yeah, you know, I'm just I'm just saying that there's there's a lot of stuff that they can do, and I that's why I think that something like Starly is bottom of the barrel. Yeah, I I would agree with that uh, to a degree. I don't think that Starly's bottom of the barrel. I, I do think it's middle of the road. I think you'd be hard pressed to find a Pokemon that would be considered bottom of the barrel. I, at least from my perspective. But that being said, I have one last question for you, and then I'm going to throw this out there. Would you rather see a Starly Community Day-like event 
where the shiny is new and all that stuff, but the Pokemon's not that exciting. Um, or would you rather see like a third Charmander community day? I think it, de- it depends. I, it, okay. it honestly depends on the Pokemon and that's where I'm biased. Obviously, if it was a third Charmander, I am, I am out, not interested. It would have to be something that breaks everything for me to actually be interested in catching any more Charmanders. But like if it was a third Mudkip day or another another ghastly day because XL candy wasn't a thing then. Yeah, you know, I'm, I'm all for that. That's yeah, no kidding. Why right. That's why community day is such a hard question, of course. Yeah, as, you know, especially considering when they plan these things out, the state of the game when people are actually interested in changes in a month, you know, so. Yeah. Anyway, if you, dear listener, have an answer to this rather interesting question, uh, which was, again, let's be honest, on every Pokemon debut or shiny release in Pokemon Go is going to be hype. How do you think Niantic should approach these debuts and releases? You can answer that question when we post it on social media. And by that, I mean exclusively Twitter, because the rest of it is not great. <laughs> Most of that's just I'm looking at you, Facebook. I'm looking at you. Death stare. <laughs> uh, you can also send us an email to mail at gocastpodcast.com. You can call and leave us a voicemail with your Pokepole response as well. That's 262-586-7717. Or if you're a patron of ours, you can post it in the Pokepole channel we have in the Discord just for patrons. So there's a bunch of different ways to go about doing that. But before we get into anything relating to emails, you know, that sort of good stuff, we're actually going to pass it on over to Fish and DeFi for another great PvP corner segment. And this week they're going to be talking about a few things. Architect Cup and Regionals, of course. But also, a very interesting topic that I know Fish is very passionate about. I got to peek at their notes, and it looks, the the way that it was written, very, very funny. The 30-second switch timer, and and just some in-depth conversation about that. So, enjoy. Over to the two of you. Hi, I'm Fish on a Hater. And I'm DeFi250. And this is PvP Corner, the PvP segment that won the Midwest Regionals Championship for the Silver Arena. DeFi, what is going on in PvP right now? Fish, before we talk about Go Battle League, I have to thank AJ for coming on last week. Uh, AJ and I recorded. It was such a fun episode while Fish was away at work. So if you want to see more AJ, our first repeat guest... If you want to see her come back a third, fourth, fifth time, <laughs> be sure to let us know that you enjoyed having her on. But with that, Fish, Go Battle Weekend happened. How'd you do? Did you get to participate? Actually, I was working for most of it. Um, it was disappointing because um, I have been doing very, very well with the team I got from an Alfindio YouTube video. It was Venusaur. Galarian, Stunfisk, and Sableye. It was actually like very rare for me to get a negative set with that team. I was doing very well with it. However, in the very, very small amount of time that I could get myself away from work to participate in Go Battle Weekend, I was also in a, a reception dead spot. So my battles were incredibly affected by you know poor connection and that caused me to (laughs) lose a bunch of games that i otherwise wouldn't have and drop as a result so i probably would have been veteran by now if it weren't for that very easy for me to say but i do believe that very wholeheartedly (laughs) we can always look back at it and say oh it was leg yeah (laughs) definitely leg but it was (laughs) 
It was leg day five. I, I'm I'm sure. I'm sure it was the leg fish. <laughs> I have been in the pits. Like I started Go Battle Weekend. I hit veteran right before it. I tanked all the way down to 2100 um, for my MMR. Ooh. It hurt. Uh, but I found a team for Open Great League that I've been continuing past Go Battle Weekend that was suggested by Lurgan Rocket, friend of the show. Hi. Future site Chrysalia fish. Future yeah, I, site I'm Chrysalia. Not he loves that Chrysalia. So, do you think you would have shielded on your Venusaur against a Chrysalia? Uh, I probably wouldn't have. No, I tend to assume I, the Grass Knot Moonblast um, moveset. I've I've future sighted many a Venusaur, many a Nido Queen. It feels good, fish. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But there are a lot of times where I'm up against a Scrafty and there's no shields remaining that I <laughs> wish I wish I had Moonblast. So it's really uh-huh. tough. So it's Future Sight, Chrysalia, Surfetched, and Scrafty in the back. So no, you lead the Chrysalia counter. and then double counter in the back. So triple charm teams, I can't. I can't hack it. But some of the other teams that are really popular right now, it does work against. I do really like the Future Sight Chrysalia, but you really have to think about in that lead matchup. If you want to stay in with Chrysalia, you have to be confident that there's not a Charmer in the back or not mm-hmm. like a Hypno or something in the back. Uh, that is going to just... T- Surfetched is so squishy. <laughs> it's It doesn't take much. Like a Rock Slide from Galarian Stunfisk is... It hurts. It takes a chunk, yeah. <laughs> it still uh, takes a like big chunk of damage. Charmers, I don't think, are particularly popular in Open Great League right now. I think the only one really in any sort of common use is the uh, Lowland Ninetales. There's plenty of them out there, and I've seen yeah. plenty of Wigglytuff as well. You have? I, ha- I haven't seen much Wigglytuff. Oh my gosh, I've seen Wigglytuff and Shadow Granbull. So I've been battling my way back up. I'm pretty close to veteran again for the second time. And I'm hoping to continue and working through expert because this next week starting today was, as we record, open Great League and Flying Cup. Flying Cup is only flying type Pokemon and I am avoiding it. I am avoiding the Flying Cup. I'm going to stick with open Great League. But Fish, why don't you tell me about Flying Cup? Because I know you've been particularly enjoying it um it's been decidedly okay um it's just flying types only that's that's it that's the whole cup that's uh anything that is a flying typing including dual types is allowed in this cup nothing else is um shadow aerodactyl and and regular aerodactyl is of course a monster um the biggest and best and you could say only counter to the Aerodactyl is Steel Wing Skarmory. Now, Steel Wing is... This, this is like the only situation that you're ever going to want Steel Wing on your Skarmory over Air Slash, but that Steel typing, uh, it causes super effective damage to the Aerodactyl, uh, really just grinds that thing down in the same way that the Aerodactyl does with its rock throws to everything else in the meta. If you want to counter the Steel Wing Skarmory, there's your Electric Birds, your Amolga, and Zapdos. There's also Talonflame, but of course the Talonflame, like as soon as it encounters an Aerodactyl, it's just going to scream and run, like it won't even fight. So I'm avoiding it. Like It's just kind of <laughs> a lot of, again, you've got Steelwing, Skarmory, and Aerodactyl out there. Couple Electric types, you've got Amolga and Zapdos, you've got Mantine, 
Altaria, mm-hmm. a couple other things, maybe a toga kiss or two. But it's it's too restricted for me, uh, even for me. And I tend to like restricted metas. Uh, but maybe I might try a couple sets. We'll see. But right now I'm loving Open Great League. I really want to continue working with this team. I found that the best success I have climbing Go Battle League, climbing the ranking is when I have one team and I just know it really well. Uh, the closest I've ever gotten in the 2900s, that's when I had the team that Fighting Gobbler introduced. That was Altaria Lead, Defense Deoxys, and Lantern way mm-hmm. back when. That was pre-Walrain. It was pre-Trevenant. <laughs> but that's the the highest I've ever climbed in GBL was when I knew that team inside and out. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try really hard with this team to, yeah. to work on that. Peaking just a little bit further in the future, July 20th to 27th, we have the Open Ultra League and the Little Cup Remix. Just as a refresher, Little Cup is less than 500 CP Pokemon and only Pokemon that are able to evolve and have not yet evolved, not even once, are eligible. So, for example, Pichu would be okay, but Pikachu, even though it can evolve again, it's already evolved once. You can't have a Pikachu. So it has to be Pokemon that are able to evolve but have not yet. However, this one comes with a twist. They banned Vulpix, Bronzor, Cottony, and Dino, which is pretty much my entire Little Cup team. <laughs> I'm a little sad about it. I'll still probably try Little Cup Remix, but since as of recording here on July 13th, we don't have the rankings on PV Poke. I don't really know what Pokemon are going to rise now to the top now that those four are gone. Yeah, uh, yesterday I tried to go to PV Poke to put together some sort of custom ranking so that we could talk about it a little bit on this recording, and that was a big flop. The uh, the PV Poke custom rankings aren't quite equipped to handle this exact meta, so we've got nothing for you <laughs> until they come out with that official ranking. Yeah, we, we, we can't comment on it. We can only comment maybe next week when I'm sure they'll have the official stats out uh until then you you are on your own i believe in you you can do it finally we have open well not finally uh, after that we've got open master league and question mark question mark question mark DeFi. we do we have they that is exactly how it is written on the season 11 blog it's just open master league and question mark so there's <laughs> clearly going to be some kind of event happening or some kind of something that's going to have a go battle league tie-in remember remember badoof cup i do yeah it was i loved badoof yeah. Cup, <laughs> and i'm hoping it's something silly like that i hope it's some i hope it's open master league and something and incredibly <laughs> silly like badoof cup which was probably my favorite cup that has ever existed just because it's so silly Next up is our SILF section. It is Architect Cup and Regionals Month, DeFi. It is. So taking a look at Architect, I've done a couple battles so far. They're going okay. Uh, But I would love to take a look at the cup stats. Remember, Architect Cup is the same cup that is being used in the SILF Arena Regionals. So as of Wednesday, July 13th, we have 38% usage is Drapion. That's so going I, up. I feel like that's, that's going been, up. 
Yeah, that's an increase. Then we have Pelipper at 31%, Frostlass at 26%, Cantonian Muck at 20%, Beware at 17%, Gyarados at 15%, Polyrath at 14%, and Beedrill as well as 14%. Is there anything that you are noticing, Fish? I noticed the Drapion right away. Um, has really mm-hmm, mm-hmm. jumped up in usage. Uh, but is there anything else in this very restricted meta that you see as interesting taking a look at the live cup data? Uh, look, um, taking a look at the live cup data, no, there's nothing in particular that stands out to me, but there are just a couple of things that I uh, did want to mention that I've just noticed in the very, very few battles that I've done. Uh, things like my Lotic. Um, I've, I've done my complete breakdown of the... Uh, Silver Meta with Lyle Jeffs the Third, and those things are just so so helpful. Like so, like a lot of like neat picks come to light. A lot of like cool observations. One of them was my Lotic, um, a a really nice general pick, a good counter to Frostlass. The Dragon Tail Surf combination really handy. Uh, it's got some decent bulk. Um, I really like my Lotic. Another thing is that for some reason. After doing our breakdown, Skuntank stood out to me as an idea, as like a, a better option than Drapion. Uh, something that's a little bit different, not really going with the crowd. Also, I believed it could beat Drapion. Uh, and I still think that is the case. But in practice, it turned out to be just not a good idea. It just wasn't bulky enough to cover for that extra time it takes to get to those charge moves especially the flamethrower and the fact that i also have beedrill on my team means that i'm relying so much on poison jab which so much of the meta resists yeah i have seen a couple skunk tank in my battles and they tend to go down really really fast mm-hmm. um kind of squishy i prefer i personally prefer drapion um, skunk tank here at four percent usage so it's out there um, yeah. and i think flamethrower is definitely something interesting crunch is definitely really powerful with its de- debuff chance but yeah i've seen a couple and i've been able to handle them pretty pretty heartedly uh, <laughs> i think i also think with the rise of drapion i think that's also helping drill a lot because it can hit mm-hmm. it with drill run especially shadow drill. yeah and like when I when I realized that Skuntank was just not a good idea, I actually just ran and quickly tried to change it to Drapion in all the tournaments I haven't started yet. So now I'm like I, I've said before on the podcast that I try and keep the same team for all of my tournaments. Now I've got three with Skuntank and three with Drapion. Oh no, that's gonna be you gotta really be careful when you mm-hmm. look at your lineups you gotta really be focused yeah do not want to bring in the wrong pokemon all right one thing also that i wanted to point out trying to figure out which ice type i wanted to bring on my team has been really challenging frostlass far and away the most popular 26 percent usage but frostlass loses to lapras because lapras can crank out those surfs quite Mm -hmm. a bit faster celio can beat lapras because Celio has access to Body Slam. Celio, however, <laughs> can't hit Frostlass because of Body Slam not being very effective against the ghost typing. So I just thought that was really interesting how these three ice types 
form a little triangle meta of their own. So I actually picked two ice types Ooh. to go in my <laughs> to go on my team. Last is one, right? Of course. <laughs> and uh, Lapras? Celio. I'm going with Celio. Cool. Yeah, I just I picked two sides mm-hmm. of the triangle fish, and yeah. those are the two sides sure. I went with. I like the body slam spam on Celio. I mean, is it a triangle anymore? Is it just a straight line? <laughs> <laughs> and and no, don't answer that. Um, no, that's sorry. geometry, fish. <laughs> I was told there'd be no math. Um, and geometry is math. It is math, technically math. Um. I have got Celio on my team as well, and really happy with the Celio I've got because it is a rank one, and the rank one is relevant because it just manages to beat Pelipper in the one shields, just barely. That extra bulk means it can uh, it can shield a weather ball and then get hit by a hurricane and survive with three HP. Ooh. Yeah. And then KO with the body slams. That is quite handy. With that, we have a deep dive this week, something that Fish has been itching <laughs> to talk about. It is, I would say, like a pet gripe for you with yeah. Pokemon Go PvP. Which there's a lot of those for me. <laughs> but this is one that I feel is very, uh, very addressable. So just for full disclosure... The notes for this section is Fish rants for 15 minutes and DeFi interjects her thoughts occasionally. So, Fish, tell me about the switch timer. (laughs) Okay. So, currently, and you can feel free to just butt in whenever you want. Otherwise, I will keep on going. Um, So, the switch timer is currently set at 60 seconds for all three leagues. And I think that is just too darn long for a lot of reasons. I think... Like one of the best changes that can be made to the health of the game, to affect the health of the game, to increase its like viability as a spectator sport, to increase the the strategic uh, counterplay that you can have, is to drop the switch timer to thirty seconds. But and here's the catch: pause the clock in between Pokemon. And when there's a charge move being thrown. So like you're a Pokemon faints, so you're waiting to bring out the next Pokemon. Pause the switch timer during that time. The reason I say that is because most people will remember, many people will remember, there was a an event, an April Fool's event. Uh, Might have been last year where the switch timer was dropped to 30 seconds. And it was mayhem. It was pandemonium. Um, there was just all sorts of crazy switches and catches and combo plays and, and whatnot going on. Very fun, but probably a bit too zany <laughs> to to be viable in the long term. The reason for that was because the switch clock kept on going during those two moments that I mentioned, the charge moves and the, uh, and the, the moment before bringing out another Pokemon, which means that if you wanted to, you could burn 20 seconds right there. And then it's basically just 10 seconds between each Pokemon uh, coming out. That's too much. Now, if you pause it during the moment when you're choosing which Pokemon to come out next, not only are you getting the full 30 seconds that you should have, but also it just it eliminates the whole burning the switch clock tactic that like is is very relevant sure but also not great 
for spectators like it's as a spectator sport you know these things are going on twitch now um you know as, as part of the play pokemon thing it's not exciting watching someone wait out the switch clock like i'm, I'm all for there being a 10 second timer so that people don't just stall forever trying to you know wait out the battle timer or anything but if you pause the switch clock during that time that they're deciding which Pokemon to bring out next, then you eliminate the need to deliberately wait until the last second. And that's just 10 seconds that you're getting back for the stream. I agree. I loved the April Fool's event. I thought it was really interesting. However, I do agree that it was kind of chaotic. So give me give me your thesis again. How long mm-hmm. should the switch timer be with the pauses? With pauses, I think... 30 seconds is fine. Uh, without pauses, I've uh, heard a lot of people say 45 seconds, and I can get behind that. But yeah, I think 30 seconds with the pausing is the best. And I'm not only saying this as part of like a a, a spectacle for, you know, visual reasons and, uh, you know, the excitement of the battles. Um, I also think it's genuinely helpful to the competitive structure of the game. Pokemon Go PvP is, at the moment, it's very, very lead dependent, especially in Great League where everything is glassier. If you lose the lead and switch into uh, another Pokemon, you're basically at the mercy of what they've got in the back. If what you switch into is then hard countered by another thing, then there's really not much you can do. Like, being able to switch back out again gives you a very, very important strategic tool in your toolbox. Um, And that's something that Niantic did want. They said when they introduced uh, self-debuffing and buffing moves that they wanted to encourage the use of strategic switches. I, I imagine that this is something that Niantic should be all on board for. Getting stuck in one Pokemon for an entire minute, that is basically a whole Pokemon. And DeFi, you will have seen a lot of battles where, I mean, as a professional shoutcaster, you will have seen a lot of battles where it, like, the most exciting a battle gets is when there's, like, three Pokemon left on either side, but they're all on really low HP and they've all got moves stored. So there's suddenly a lot of combo plays happening and catches and and, and all that. And that's it. Like, would you agree that's where it gets the most exciting? I would definitely agree, like being at the Play Pokemon uh, North American International Championships casting in Indianapolis, the most hype that the crowd gets is during a catch. That's mm-hmm. when people kind of scream Yeah, is during a catch. That's the most exciting component, I would say. Yeah. Dropping the switch time to 30 seconds enables you to set up some of those plays in a way that you cannot currently do with a 60-second timer. It also enables you to play your way out of a bad spot much, much better. Like, currently with the 60-second switch timer, really for most of your battles, you're relying on what we call alignment, which is getting the Pokemon you want against the Pokemon that they hard counter getting your Venusaur in against a Swampert, getting your Galarian Stunfisk against an Altaria or a, a, a Skarmory, getting your Charmory in against the Sableye. And as things stand now, if you don't have alignment, it's so, so hard to win a battle. We need to have more options available to us. 
one thing that uh, I do have to give, like as a as a counterpoint to my own argument, um, is that when that April Fool's event happened, uh, one thing that became very apparent was the Pokemon that get to their charge moves very quickly. So, Swampert. like a Powder Snow, Alola, Nine Tails, or Swampert, things like that, they became much more overpowered. So, I think if the switch clock was reduced then there would need to be a rebalancing of a lot of those moves a lot of those 35 energy moves might need to have their energy cost increased or maybe some fast moves have their energy generation dropped or uh the the moves dropped in in damage or whatever has to be done you know there are people who know this stuff a lot more intimately than I would, but I think there does need to be a rebalancing of moves. With that said, I think for you know all of the reasons that I have ranted about, um, I think reducing the switch timer is so good for the health of the sport. Niantic, if you're listening, <laughs> please take take heed <laughs> and take a serious look at this. All right, you will have to let us know out there listening, what do you think about the 60-second switch timer? Should it be down to 30 seconds, 45? Should the switch clock continue during the fast move uh, minigame? Should it not? Things like that. Let us know. With that, let's move on to our shameless plugs. Fish, what's going on in Pallet Town? What's going on with you? So we have set a date for the Ultra League Draft. This is, uh, like, I'm really excited for this. This is going to be really fun to take a look at. We're going to just feature the whole tournament, um, all 16 players that all participated in this draft. And, like, we, we got some real, real interesting spicy picks during that draft. And I, I want to see them in action. So that's going to be happening on Tuesday the 19th at 9 p.m. Eastern U.S. time. We've also got uh, a new feature in the Palatown PvP Discord server, which is uh, we've got leaderboards now. So we have been running monthly custom metas. Uh, right now, it's we're running the Great Balls of Fire meta. I want to give a shout out to Dark Ice Thirteen. She's been doing an amazing job running these cups. But anyone who participates in any of our custom metas or the Ultra League draft. Any, any kind of tournament that we run can earn points towards their spot on the leaderboard now. We've got an all-time leaderboard, which at the moment is led by Jack of Hearts. Mama Climbs is up there as well. JW11F3, Captain Quad, ZT Smith, Conky. A lot of these people are listeners of the GoCast podcast. If you want to earn your spot on the leaderboard, make sure to participate in as many of our custom tournaments as possible you can go to the grab a role channel on the discord and give yourself the role for custom meta to be notified whenever a new cup is announced finally we have the regular trophies and achievements channel i want to give a shout out to triptando who hit elite in sylph in his first full season uh super jealous um and i want to give a shout out to amish you Tanto. Music Michael and Sticky Valves, who all hit veteran. Finally, there was something that this wasn't actually posted in the Pallet Town Trophies and Achievements channel. It was posted in the GoCast Discord server and mentioned Pallet Town. And I wanted to read this out verbatim because it mentions, you know, a lot of a lot of cool people and it's really heartwarming to to see. This is from Wang J. Chen, who put in the GoCast server. I know twenty three hundred is not that high. 
but this is my highest ELO that I've ever had. I make ace every season, and my ending ELO I have always fallen to around 1,800. I want to thank everyone who plays in the GoCast tournaments. Thanks to DeFi and Fish for PvP Corner. And a big special thank you to Fish on a Heater, who always seems to have the time to talk about any aspect of PvP in the kindest, most welcoming way in the Pallet Town community. They are amazing. Sorry for gushing <laughs> over so little. Uh, and he shares a screenshot of him with a 2300 rating in GBL, which is very impressive. Like, it's he, he starts with... 2300 is not that high but i think that is very very good like not a lot of people hit that high no i think a lot of people make it to rank 20 um who play so out of all the people who do go battle league i think a lot of them do make it to that rank 20 but i think very few people push past to ace veteran and really the amount of legends it seems like there's a lot because we see them on social media and things like that but yeah in the grand scheme of things it's a very small percentage of players yeah, very much. And and you've got people like, you know, we're, we, us, ourselves, we, um, we're very ready to like, you know, gush about, oh, I hit elite and I hit veteran expert legend. And uh, a, a lot of people, I have seen a lot of people kind of qualify their own achievements with, look, I know it's not much just because I feel like it's a, a worry that, that they'll be judged that like the their achievement is not that great but like one thing we are both of us are very very passionate about is celebrating all achievements one is not necessarily better than the other or one isn't necessarily invalid because it's not quite as high as the other one exactly i don't think i could have said it better myself every achievement deserves to be celebrated and go mm. battle league if yeah. it was tough for you and you achieved it that's worth celebrating defi what have you got to plug um, just kind of taking a look through all my things. I've been streaming on Twitch a little bit more regularly. Obviously, I'm going to take some time off for GoFest in Seattle, but I have a duo tomorrow with Evan777713, the Beedrill enthusiast from <laughs> North American International Championships, who beat me, uh, kicked me out of the running, but made it top cut so I couldn't be too mad about losing to him. Mm-hmm. And he's been streaming quite a bit lately. I'm excited to duo with him on Friday. And then my plan is to duo with Gabby Snyder, who casted at NAIC and also is very well known for casting the video game and is a phenomenal human being. I worked with her on the We Won't Stop project, that fundraiser. She is wonderful. And I'm excited to do a duo with her next week before I go to Seattle. Otherwise, just check out more DeFi in the show notes. We talk about it every time. But I put my TikTok on there. I put my YouTube shorts I'm trying, TikTok and YouTube shorts. I made a small Discord server just to give people access to my Twitch emotes that I I had commissioned through Sadie Poo that are phenomenal. (laughs) I love my Twitch emotes and I want people to have access to them in Discord. So that's on there. So... We say it every week, but check out the more DeFi link. I have a lot of things going on in there. To close out, we love hearing your feedback. If you have any questions that you want us to answer on the show or suggestions for myself or DeFi, you can direct your feedback to pvpcorner at gocastpodcast.com. In the show description, you can click on the more fish or more DeFi links to take you to other projects and other ways to contact us. And we'll see you next week.
thank you so very, very much, Fish and DeFi E, for yet another wonderful PvP Aquana segment. You two are the best. Uh, very excited, DeFi, to see you in Seattle. Woo! Fish, we got to get you out to an event, man. We still haven't met. We got we got to make that happen. Uh, all right. So I got so caught up in listening to that that segment. Kyle, what are we? What is even happening? Where are we? It's time for emails. Oh, sweet. And let me check. Oh, yeah. One voicemail as well. Fittingly from Seattle Uber Dad. Let's play that one. Uh, hi, guys. This is Seattle Uber Dad. Um, I had somebody distracting me when I was calling yesterday. I would like a mulligan if I could, please. <laughs> Granted. Um, first of all, for those of you coming here to Seattle, it is a beautiful city. The best view, my opinion, is get out on the water. The best way to do that is the Bainbridge Island Ferry. It is cheaper than going up in the Space Needle, and the view is so much better. You don't have skyscrapers, photobombing Mount Rainier. Um, the question I had for you guys, I'm planning on doing a podcast, and I heard you guys, I think an episode or two ago, complaining about, oh, don't listen to our earlier episodes. They were so terrible. And what I would like to ask you is, they sound fine to me. What are you hearing that I'm not hearing? And if you could, like, go back in time in your TARDIS or whatever, what would you tell your former self? What you what would you tell someone before they make that first broadcast? Um, and that's all I have for you today. Look forward to seeing you here in Seattle. Bye for now. What an interesting question. <laughs> Well, first of all, thank you for the for the suggestion for a better view in Seattle. I've been to Seattle a couple of times. It it is gorgeous. Love that place. I'm so excited for Kyle to see it. That being said, your question about when we're like, don't listen to the old stuff. It's so bad. Why do we think it was bad? Hmm. I think hindsight is 2020 in a lot of cases. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think just I, I truly believe in Kyle. I hope you do, too, that the product that we make now is vastly superior to what you would see in an episode one. And so while on its own, it might not be bad in comparison to the work we're doing now. It is not good. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I think the best way to answer the first question is actually to answer the second question for me, because there, and the second question being, if you can go back with a TARDIS and change or give suggestion to somebody doing the first episode, there, there isn't anything to change because that first episode is your starting point no matter what you do. And that first episode can still be perfect. It will still not be the same place you're at at episode 100. Right. Just to piggyback off of that really quick, I, I think if your first episode and your 100th episode sound the same, you're not doing, you're not doing it right. Yeah. Now, if your 100th episode and you're like 30, 300 episodes sound the same, that's probably more yeah, okay. you're yeah. probably a little bit okay there. Your show is going to change drastically over the first 50 episodes, 100%, if you get that far, which I think you will. Lots of positive reinforcement there. You should do it. A lot of podcasts don't make it past it. It's like four 10? or five episodes, something like I, I that. Think, I think 95% don't hit 10. Yeah, and I know 10 is kind of like where it's like, yes, now you're a show. You're, you're going to, if you hit 10, you're more likely to just keep going. Right, exactly. But just to to fully complete the thought though it it sounds it's rough to listen to the, the first episodes because we are different like than how we see ourselves now 
We are oh, yeah. so much more comfortable in what we're talking about. And our format and our understanding is much more rock solid where everything was kind of just a little bit shaky. But like, if you're not listening for it, you you won't really think about it. Otherwise, nobody would have started listening to us. We were doing something right, obviously. I hope so. I don't know. I'm too scared <laughs> to assume that out loud. But yeah, if I had to go back and give advice to myself, I think I probably wouldn't have changed very much. You know, it would have just probably accelerated the process a little bit. But the learning process is what it is for a reason, because humans learn best through doing and making mistakes. So just don't be afraid about making them. And uh, sometimes they just become a meme instead. And that actually helps you in the end. (laughs) All right. Well, thank you very much for that voicemail. Seattle Uber dad. Very excited to meet you as well. Hopefully we get a a clean opportunity to do that during our, our crazy, crazy schedule. But we've also got a number of emails. Kyle, you want to take the first one? Sure thing. First one's from John. And they said, hey there, Chris and Kyle. John here. Haven't sent an email in quite some time, but still have listened to every podcast episode since the last time I wrote in. Thank you. I think we can all agree that go beyond that the Go Beyond update for Pogo, where it reworked the entire XP system, was phenomenal and one of the best updates to the game. I had some ideas regarding how we can improve the XP system even more. What if for every buddy level you get an XP bonus? 100k maybe for best buddy level? Pretty much like the friend system. Would this motivate you more to interact with the buddy system? Going to stop you right there. Yes. Yes, it would. Yep. Just just flat out. It doesn't even have to be that much experience. I would do it yep. pretty consistently probably. <laughs> also do the same for mega levels. It's technically the same system as friendship levels. Let's be honest. The catch though is because this isn't this doesn't take as much time as say friendship or buddy. Make the XP for mega level three, I don't know, 50K. That sounds right to me. Uh, I, I think mega levels have enough benefit and doesn't require any work that I don't actually think there should be a reward for it. But I. Yeah, I'm just talking about the value assigned. If there was going mm-hmm. to be, I think 50K sounds fair. Yeah, I mean, it takes the same amount of time to get to Ultra Friends as it does to mega level three. So, yeah, yep. I, I agree. <sighs> Lastly, you know how every time you register a new Pokemon in the Pokedex and get bonus XP for that? Do the same for newly registered Megas and newly acquired Shinies too. It is filling more of the Pokedex, so why not reward players for their work and time? And forms. Well, we're at it. Yeah. Well, that's a lot of hats. I mean, I would just like, what I would love is to go into the Pokedex page for Pikachu and then have a little drop-down menu where it has like a nice grid of all the Pikachu forms we've had and there's silhouettes, the ones that you haven't caught, so you kind of have an idea of how many there are, how many you're missing. And then just every single time you do it, it doesn't have to be like, it, you know, it just cuts to that screen and gives you a stamp instead of the Pokedex screen. Yeah. Right. And then you get like a little bonus XP or something like that would make sense. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I'm, I'm for it. It doesn't even have to be a lot of experience. Every time you fill, we have a lot of, a lot of pages on mm-hmm. the Pokedex now. It's actually great. Bonus experience every time you catch a hundo. Come on, that's awesome. Just yeah. make it even more exciting. Let oh. somebody know before they appraise. They'd or be mo- so much catch. more excited. Critical catch bonus XP would be great too. Because that's yeah, just, it's just random. Gravy. Yeah. Yeah. Just that that kind of stuff is definitely agreed with those kind of ideas. Anyways, I will not apologize for my long email. Deal with it. <laughs> Have a great day. Keep up the great work with the podcast. Later. 
I, I definitely agree. And I think that there's a lot of unique ways they can play with adding experience to the game. And with how long it takes to get to 50, I think there's plenty of opportunities for that. Because, of course, people are going to get to 50 no matter what you do. But right. 99% of the player base will never hit 50 with the current way that you get experience. So I don't think there's any harm in focusing on ways to increase experience game. Yeah, to me, experience is just it's added dopamine on top of just about everything because it doesn't take a bag space. It's only good. You can't gain some and then you lose it because you're like, it. you know, it goes beyond the threshold for the next level. So why not? Right. It just seems just why not? <laughs> anyway, thank you very much for the email, John. Loved it. This next one is from Mythic. Hey, Chris and Kyle Mythic here for my first email. Congratulations on your first email. Nice to hear from you. I have lots of things to talk about, so let me get started. First of all, I'm a fairly new listener, only started about two months ago and have only been playing Pokemon Go for four months. I'm level 32 and Team Instinct. Ah, well, that's your problem right there. I know you will laugh at me for that, but I've always been the last pick for kickball, so I'm just used to it now. All right, Kyle is Instinct. I need to clarify until I get more emails about how we only make fun of Instinct. He's a self-aware Instinct player. We get a pass. We get a pass. My friends told me to pick Instinct right when I told them I'm getting Pokemon Go. Oh, man. Are all of your friends instinct is the important question. Oh, I see. If they are, good job. If they're not, that's just them being rude. They're just like, we need somebody to flip our gyms. Yeah. <laughs> Second order of business, global GoFest. GoFest was very fun for me. I got a grand total of four shinies, which was not the best, but they were some of my favorite ones. I got a shiny Sfield, Cub Chew, Trash Cloak, Burmy, Y, <laughs> and the new shiny Shroomish. I yeah. can't tell if the Y in response to the Trash Cloak, Burmy is that you're not excited about it or not, but I got to tell you. Some people will come at you for that because that's a very chased after shiny for some folks. But it it doesn't look shiny. I think that's, no, it just I think, doesn't. It I really think that's doesn't. I think that's probably the why it does not look shiny. Mm, okay. I don't know. Right. I don't know what Wormadam shiny looks like, but it's probably better. I I don't know either. But okay, you get a free pass then. In that case, Kyle has ruled. That's the devil. <laughs> I caught my first ever hundo at GoFest, and it was a Galarian Darumaka. The website I looked at, yeah, it's really good. The website I looked at said Hundo Galarian Darmanitan is ranked eight in Master League, but I'm very certain that's not true. <laughs> I still love my dancy little Frosty the Snowman, and I'm trying to get Candies to evolve him right now. Well, let us know how he does in Master League. I'd love to hear. Third topic: the TCG crossover. I had so much fun with this. Let me give you the timeline. The first day of the event, me and my buddies were out and did a singular Mewtwo raid. I looked up the CP and it would have been around a 98 or 96% IV Mewtwo. I was hype and so was my friend. My friend Golden razzed it and got an excellent throw on the first try. I saw the third shake and gave him a high five. Then I went to mine. I Golden razzed it every time, but it wouldn't go in. I think you have felt my pain too. The beautiful Mewtwo escaped, leaving me with one Golden razz and a broken heart. Oh, Literally, the next day, I remoted into a Mewtwo raid, did it, and caught it. Wasn't paying attention, but when I saw the IVs, I spilled my coffee all over myself. It was a hundo. Keep in mind, this was my very first ever Mewtwo caught. For the rest of the event, I proceeded to get a hundo Ivysaur, hundo Galissapod, hundo Chansey, and a shiny Bulbasaur. A grand total of four hundos and one shiny. Then my phone stopped working for whatever reason, and I'm going to miss Articuno raids, which is hard. 
because it's one of my favorite legendaries. <laughs> Looks like my luck ran out. Smiley face. Oh, I, there's a little there's a little tear in that smiley face. I'm sure that's just implied. <laughs> Anyways, hope my luck goes to you guys through this email. And I'm not really sorry about the long email. Good night, GoCast. Mythic out. Well, I'm incredibly jealous of your hundo Mewtwo. So that's but a lot I, of hundos. I'm jealous of just hundos in general. <laughs> a lot of hundos. Shiny Bulbasaur. That's an exciting one, too. It sounds like you had a great time. This is great. Good for you. Galarian Darumaka hundo is also like just such a great get. I'm I'm a little jelly about that one. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Darmanitan's great. Darmanitan is great. And I'm hoping that... And Mythic, I'm hoping that your luck stays with you. Uh, we're, we're doing okay. Maybe Kyle could use a little bit more, but we're doing okay. I, and uh, I could use some hundo luck. I don't need any shiny luck. I'm doing okay there. Yeah, yeah. This man needs some hundos for sure. If you'll get like four on Starly Day. Watch it. I look. <laughs> Wait, no, I'll I will transfer them. Oh well, <laughs> don't tell me. I'll be upset. Anyway, thank you very much for the email, Mythic. Next email is from Abriel. They said. Just finished listening to your most recent episode, including Feromosa, and I was struck by Chris liking birds right after bugs. I love birds, too, and so I'm including a link to some pictures of birds I've taken recently. They were awesome, by the way. Some are from Costa Rica when we vacationed there last year, and others are from where I live in Gainesville, Florida. If you ever plan a trip this way or need a place to stay, our place is open for you bowls to stay in. We're not so close to all the touristy things where you feel obligated to one place or the other, beaches, Disney, St. Augustine, and so on. We are close enough to where any of them is only about an hour and a half away. We do have our own attractions in Gainesville, namely the Lake Alice Bat Houses, <gasps> Gator Football, Wild Alligators, Horses, and Buffalo. Plenty of birds, including roseated spoonbills, herons of all kinds. Herons are pretty sweet yeah. birds. Migratory swallow, swallow-tailed kites. This bird is why swallow is my favorite bird Pokemon. It's a good choice. And sandhill cranes that sound like hordes of dinosaurs making their creaking calls across Paines and Kanapaha, Kanapaha prairies. I hope I said that right. There's no way you did. No, there's probably no way. No, I, that's okay. <laughs> I wouldn't even know where to start with that. I word. don't know. I, I, I'm going to say I did, and someone can correct me. It's okay. Right. I'm I'm with you. He he did it. No invasive pythons up here, but that's a relief. Believe me. At the moment, we do have a yellow northern cardinal that I know the location of, living on the nearby college campus. It'll be around for a couple of years, as it is the average lifespan of a cardinal. I think. And I've seen him a couple of times when I go to show friends and family. He helps you develop your patience, to say the least. I think he's one in a few million, even though another was found this year somewhere in the area. Maybe the same county, but miles apart from this one on campus. That's so wild. I love that. I, that it's, that's crazy. Birds, it's are, birds are crazy. Birds are, are crazy, cool, and smart. They, they also don't exist, according to some people. That's true. They're government drones. <laughs> To answer your poke poll about my most anticipated Ultra Beast, I'd have to say it's Nagan Nagan Nan. I can't say it. Naganadel. Nagan. That's that doesn't sound right. Naganadel. <laughs> even though I don't have much hope for it getting a good move pool, I think it is one of the coolest designs and one of the coolest shinies. If it had Poison Jab and maybe Dragon Breath or Dragon Tail as fast moves, that would be a start. 
Sludge Bomb, Acid Spray, Dragon Claw, and something like Dark Cults for coverage would probably make it pretty playable in different ways. You could run something super spammy with Poison Jab, Acid Spray, and Dragon Claw to keep your enemy off kilter. Or you could have Bread and Butter Bait Charge moves with Dragon Claw or Acid Spray paired with Pulse or Sludge Bomb. Could be fun, but we'll probably get Acid as the Poison Fast move and Gunk Shot as the only Poison Charge move. (laughs) Time will tell. Speaking of the time, sorry for such a long email and hope this gets you in time faster than Talonflame using Incinerate. I got to say thank you, first of all, for the link to the photos. It was really, really cool. Also, I love that you, you're able to drop some bird knowledge on us. That's pretty neat. Uh, that being said, I'm also pretty excited about Naganadel. I always forget about Naganadel. And Poiple Shiny, by the way, is really cool. I have no idea what any of that looks it's like. It's like white. It's white with like yellow highlights, yellow trim almost, or orange, okay. something like that. It looks pretty awesome. But yeah, I'm really hoping they don't give it bad moves. Like, don't don't Nihilego this one up again, please. <laughs> that's a good that's a good pair of shinies. Sure is. That's Looks a real good pair good. of shinies. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you very much for the email, Abriel. Really appreciate it. And uh, I'm going to take a look at those birds again. Pretty cool. All right. The next email is from the bomb is me. Dear sirs is with a heavy heart that I must use the sixth anniversary of Pogo to announce the disbandment of Team Bomb. We have been a pod since day one. Our crew was created when my son would not allow my oldest grandson to download the app onto his phone, and I stepped in in order to keep the family peace. Since that moment, I've played with all three kids every time that we have seen them. Alas, all have now moved on to other e-games, sports, and other social (laughs) pursuits, leaving me alone as the sole member. As I enter my eighth decade, however, I continue to play daily. Those quality one-on-one walks will be missed as well as sneaking in math and logic problems along the way. The deep philosophical debates, among other things, I have to thank this game for making quality time a part of my life. Despite my wife's objections, I hereby commit to completing this quest. There are the hanging questions that I hope you can answer for us. Why does Blissey carry her egg in the front where a sidekick would make her very unhappy? How can a shiny clamperl be so cute? Who bit off Sharpedo's tail and did it taste bad? (laughs) If I continue to average my 100k a day experience and soon to reach level 47... Will I reach level 50 before Niantic announces the increase max to 60 as suggested on your last cast? I look forward to your august responses as well as the next episode of the GoCast. It's now off to watch volleyball and discuss how a 16-year-old can afford a car. The bomb is me. (laughs) (laughs) How can a 16-year-old afford a car? With some help. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, well... I got to say, I'm a little bit sad to hear, like you said, that you're the, the bomb, the bomb squad or team bomb rather is uh, disbanding to a degree. But if I know anything about this game and people that play it, they come back in some aspect or another. Hopefully that will happen in this case. But if not, just keep working on those goals because there's still joy in this game, even if it's just for you. Kyle, let's take a look at these questions here. So why does Blissey carry the egg in the front? It would be kind of a, a bummer in that case. You're like, what if she trips and falls? That egg is done for. No, no, because Blissey's so soft and squishy that if if it falls over, it just cushions the blow and it barely touches the ground. It's fine. It's like sitting on an egg on a purple mattress. <laughs> uh, how can a shiny clear pearl be so cute? Answer me that, Kyle. I'm not entirely sure myself. Because the shiny's purple. That's why. Yeah, it's cute. It's a little cutie. And who bit off Sharpedo's tail and did it taste bad? 
Oh, hey, it was Sharpita was born that way. It's, exactly, exactly. We don't. We're not supposed to talk about it. We're really not. That's why Sharpedo always just makes sure he's facing everybody uh, with his <laughs> mouth open and moving really fast. <laughs> and I think you will definitely hit level fifty before they increase the max to sixty. We haven't even heard any hints of that, and plenty of people are not fifty. So I don't think, feel like there's a a need, right? Yeah, I will. I'll be very surprised if they actually ever get to 60 without drastically revamping the way like experience and the players interact with that in the game. Exactly. Yeah. But anyway, thank you so much for the email. It's great to hear from you. Next email is from Joshua. They said, hello, Kyle and Chris. Josh here from team email. Sorry, I couldn't resist. I'm listening to the show now and you're talking about Faramosa. Let me tell you, I just finished Ultra Sun, but I first ran into this Ultra Beast in the Crown Tundra and I was told these Ultra Beasts are like legendaries. So when I caught it, you have to understand I was excited. I add this thing to my team and throw it in battle. Why does it get knocked out in one hit from a Magmar 10 to 20 levels lower than it? (laughs) (laughs) Needless to say, that Pokemon made its way to storage and never saw the light of day again. It's the 85 uh, defense score. Yeah, it's literally got negative defense. Mm-hmm. On another note, usually I'm against Kyle and his extreme negative approach to anything that does not benefit him. <laughs> 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 this time, I agree. We get a Dino Community Day and they follow it up with Starly. I might actually pass on this one. Oh, no. I am looking forward to Guzzlord as well. I mean, who does not want this huge thing that is so hungry it developed another pair of hands from its mouth so it does not miss a meal i've also seen the shiny for this thing i really like it okay so not too sorry for the long emails but thanks as always guys <laughs> i like how people are making this sign off like their own all right not not too sorry for the long email but thanks anyway <laughs> yeah yeah no that's funny i, I would imagine that Feramosa would get its butt kicked if it's hit with literally anything that gets any sort of purchase on it whatsoever so kyle he's just you have another person in your corner despite giving you sort of a, a backhanded compliment yeah it's okay, <laughs> i'm used to that no it's true though and i mean like i don't think that's necessarily a bad thing because it is important to kind of like report these things from your particular perspective because yeah people relate it with it, but it's also not necessarily about what benefits me but i do represent a specific perspective as you said Yes, the perspective of Mr. Kyle, the demographic Mr. Kyle. Anyway, thank you very much for the email. Appreciate it, Joshua. This next one is from Fish on a Heater. Who is that? Hmm. Hi, guys. Fish here. I had a thought and wanted to hear your opinions. What if normal type was made a completely neutral typing, both offensively and defensively? So normal type Pokemon wouldn't resist anything or take super effective damage from anything either, notwithstanding any dual typing. And normal type moves would be neutral against every other type. On one hand, I think it would make for interesting battle strategy in Go as well as in other platforms. It would also give some meaning to what it means to be, quote, normal, unquote, in Pokemon. Hmm. On the other hand, it could be argued that it makes the type even less relevant than it already is. And it certainly would make dual typing irrelevant as adding normal type to a Pokemon would literally mean nothing. Sorry (laughs) for the long email. (laughs) Fish. What do you think, Kyle? You were most passionate about this out of the two of us. I I have an interesting perspective here to give the type that is 
neutral to everything is dragon type. Dragon type is only super effective against other dragons. And so that kind of fills the niche and obviously defensively is a whole different story. Yeah, but so, it's also weak to ice. Yeah, well, it has its its weaknesses. And and, but I'm saying like offensively, that that niche is kind of filled. And I don't think it would do anything for Go personally, but I, I think the biggest downside is the harming of the dual typing. I think they just need to make normal super effective against something, anything. Mm-hmm. Having one immunity is is okay. That's that's interesting. One immunity and one weakness. But the fact that there's you're not neutral to everything is kind of I don't know. I think it would make an interesting change in things like gym defense and stuff like that, because it would really make the role of the tank Pokemon like a thing again. Right? It, it would definitely make taking out Blissey's extraordinarily frustrating. <laughs> it sure would. And that's kind of one of the only reasons why I'm against this slacking as well. So, yeah, but at least slacking can't hit you back. I mean, it can if it gets up to that dazzling gleam. You yeah, know? every every you know ten two minutes. and a half years. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but you'll be there that long because you're not doing super effective damage anymore. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, I mean, I think it is an interesting thing. I'd love to see how it plays out, but it sounds like our initial sort of take, Kyle's initial sort of take that I'm just agreeing with at this point in time, is maybe not. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think I think the real takeaway is that. Pokemon is all about type matchups and to have a type matchup where it says no to your type matchups kind of makes the whole thing fall apart a little bit. I guess, but it's also an interesting neutral card to play. I could see in some instances it would be strategically good, but but like it's already it already is the neutral card. It just isn't like supremely neutral. You know what it would do? It would make the first pick in GBL if you're going to run anything with normal type that much easier because you would always start with that. Mhm. So I don't know. That would be interesting. Anyway, thanks, Fish. Appreciate you, buddy. Next emails from Starman. Heard from them earlier in our poke poll. Here's another one. They said, hello, I'm a newer listener to the podcast and wanted to start by saying you guys have really helped me renew my interest in the game. Thank you for all that you do. Thank you very much. Thank you. I have a question for you both. Sorry if it's been asked before. Were you into Pokemon before Pokemon Go? If so, in what ways and what were your favorite Pokemon before Pokemon Go influenced you? Sorry for the long email. <laughs> best Starman. <laughs> best Starman. Mm-hmm. He might also be the best Starman. We're not entirely sure. <laughs> so Chris and I both are both lifelong Pokemon fans. We are both at pretty much like exactly the right age when the first games came out to, to get hooked in. And it kind of mm-hmm. just never went away. Go has actually not influenced any favorite Pokemon for me, but it has made me dislike some Pokemon less, I think, over time. Yeah, it has definitely made me appreciate some Pokemon more than others. Mm-hmm. You know, like like Wishmer. Like, I like yeah. seeing Wishmer a lot uh, more now. Uh, Shieldon and Bastiodon. Yeah, I was, I was indifferent. I didn't really care about that generation fossils. I love them now. Uh, but as I mentioned earlier in the show, my, my favorite Pokemon is Gengar. Always, always has, always will be. Well, okay, I can't say that, but mine is Cyndaquil. Um, but Scyther is really a close second, very close second. But yeah, I mean, this didn't really influence me other than like we had just said. And prior to this, Kyle and I were kind of like just an equal opportunity Pokemon fan. We've played just about all of the different titles. Like, you know, I mean, I've played like Shuffle, 
Snap, all the main series <laughs> games, Stadium, Coliseum, whatever. Kyle's played all the same games. So, uh, yeah, we're 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 in it to win it, man. <laughs> like for real. We're we're big fans. Um, but thank you very much for the email. Appreciate it. This next one is from Josh. Hey, Chris and Kyle, Josh here. I have to admit, I've been working on a bachelor's, so I stopped listening for the last maybe two to three months so I could focus. I am done. So I'm back listening to the show now from the Dino Community Day. Also, Chris, sorry about your pet friend, family member. I did not want to just call it a cat and uh, to clean that up. I appreciate that. Thanks, man. Do you guys still play live on Twitch? I recently got back into playing main series games. Just finished Crystal. Best one. Skip to Ultra Sun. And I'm looking for a way to play Gen 3, Gen 5, and Gen 6. Sorry for the long email and just rambling on. I am just excited to be able to listen again. I'm not sure if you will address this later or after, but any hopes and goals for GoFest in Seattle? What are you hoping happens? Thanks, guys. Take it easy. Team Instinct. Oh, man. Josh, you're <laughs> right there until the end. Um, all right. So to answer the first question about Twitch, Kyle and I kind of wrapped up what we were doing and sort of slowed down because our schedules were like so tumultuous, which is probably a good thing because even recently we've just been struggling to uh, record on a regular basis just because life has thrown a lot of curveballs at us. That being said, I mean, who's who's to say? Maybe in the future we'll go back to doing some streaming on Twitch. Uh, we enjoyed it. It's not like we didn't. Um, it's really just a coordination thing. Yeah, I, I think we both would definitely like to do more of that. But it's unfortunately with just the way stuff works out was not something we were able to commit to despite wanting to. Yeah, exactly. The, the free times that would have worked were like really late at night. And yeah. that means that it doesn't actually work. <laughs> yeah. And unfortunately, part of that is a little bit of my work schedule to blame. It's kind of just, you know, maybe in the future stuff will change. We never know. You had that work schedule before we started the podcast. Yeah. But I mean, like <laughs> in terms of committing to something that would work for everybody else. Yeah. No, what I'm just saying, like, it's not it's not like your fault. It was a it was preloaded software, man. You know? Well, yeah. But like my, my work schedule is frustrating for for planning with people in general, let's say. Right. And the sort of liquid nature of my job can also be just as frustrating. So. Yeah. Anyway, that is to say, we'd love to do in the future. We're not saying no, but I'm not giving you a particular date. And, okay, so what about your hopes and goals for GoFest Seattle, Kyle? Uh, I think we should actually hold off on this, and we should. Yeah, we're about- we're like we're like five minutes away. Don't worry. We're yeah, yeah. We're, we're go- we will have to have to commit something. Yes, more or less, or maybe not. We'll see. I'll I'll let you know what I, my thoughts are before we get there, Kyle. Um, but thank you very much, Josh. Appreciate the email. Our last emails from the man, the myth, the legend himself. It's been a little bit. Mitch cooks gravy says, what's up, fellas? I may email you from my dorm room in word that is not pronounced the way that it should be, but it's apparently pronounced Lin Sha Ping University. <laughs> <I'm> fi- <laughs> what? University. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm sorry. Keep going. I'm ch- channeling my inner East West Bowl from from Keen Peel. Oh, that's right. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> I'm finally settled in and have much to report. Berlin Go Fest was my favorite Niantic event I have ever been to. 
I have stories to tell, but I'm sure you will create a Pokepool one day, which these stories are all applicable. In short, I met a few notable people, Triptando and Borsia from Discord, who accompanied me on an arduous hunt for water in the German heat. Zoe Tudats, who I caught after her meetup and exchanged a few, like two, awkward words with, and to whom a certain merch item was given to. <gasps> awesome. That's awesome. Cool. Nice. John Hankey and JT Valor on the way out of the park. It was surreal. Truly felt like a dream the whole time. Aww. Another nice thing was four shiny cowboy hat Snorlax. Oh, get out of here. Get out of here, Mitch. What? <laughs> Very glad these weren't Caterpie. Oh, get out get- of here, Mitch. <laughs> Come on. Love you all and shiny vibes all. Cook's Gravy, resident super player, Harry. Uh, I, I can't remember the rest anymore. It's what, been too uh, long. Harry, Harry Cook's Gravy, Mitch. You said resident super player. I did. Uh, <laughs> There's another yeah, one. Get, guy remember. in Europe. Something Supreme. It was some, something Supreme. Yeah, as well. I don't, I don't, I don't right now. Oh, my gosh, a minute. oh, man, Mitch. I'm, I'm glad to hear that Berlin Go Fest was... Such a great time. I'm really excited for Seattle right now. There was a cool picture of him, Trip, and Boris. Uh, and I I loved it. I love seeing these photos of like folks from our listening community or people that we just know because we play Pokemon Go, like from other places, like together meeting up. It's it's just so nice, you know. And <laughs> the world is healing, Kyle. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's doing my heart good. It's our turn this upcoming week and slash weekend. So uh, to say I'm excited would be to uh, undersell the emotion, just like Kyle was implying. So anyway, thanks very much for the email there, Mitch. Excited to hear your cool stories, man. But if you, dear listener, would like to leave us an email like these fine folks did, you can by sending an email to mail at gocastpodcast.com. If you'd like to give us a voicemail to use instead, you can by calling 262-586-7717. And because I said I would, here's another reminder that we are accepting things for episode 200, which we will not record until after Seattle Go Fest has wrapped up and we've returned home. Maybe had a chance to like go to the bathroom and have a drink of water. Who knows? We'll see. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But if you'd like to visit our website for all things GoCast, it's gocastpodcast.com. Follow us on Twitter, not our only, but might as well be our only social media because Facebook at GoCast Podcast is where you'll find us. If you'd like to help support the show, you can do so monetarily and also get access to the Discord server by supporting us on Patreon. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com forward slash GoCast Podcast. And speaking of patrons, shout out to our elite trainer tier patrons, Bo, Daniel, Andrew, Lori, Michael, Ozzy, Ted, Tish, Ben, Marvin, and Mimi, Sports, Hisui, and Ryan, uh, Thayer, Jason, Justin, Charles, Modders, Lee, William, Brandon, and Ethan. Thank you so very much to all of you for helping us keep the digital lights on and all that good stuff. Now, if monetary support is like not a thing for you, not an option, not a thought, nothing, mm-mm, I can't do it. You can still help the so uh, you can still help out the show by leaving us a review. And we got a new review since the last time we recorded. This one is from Pika Nerd. I started listening to the podcast about three months ago, and I love it. Keep up the good work. I'm going to make an objective to complete within the next seven days. I want to level up 
only 50,000 experience away, and have fun. Sorry for the long review. Shawnee vibes all. Peek a nerd. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you very much for the review, and good luck on your goal, uh, especially the having fun one. I think that one's more important than the experience, in my opinion. Um, but yeah, cool. Mr. Kyle, that means that we're just about finished here. All we need to do is set some goals. Are you ready? Um, I, I don't know. Am I ready? I don't know. Here's the thing I'm thinking we should do, Mr. Kyle. We're going to not have an episode next week. This is going to be the last episode before 200, which is after Seattle. I think you and I should set some goals now for Starlight Community Day and before we well, like just basic sort of stuff. And then maybe we can record a little something uh, on our way during our trip because we're going to have lots of time <laughs> <laughs> about some goal setting after we've had a chance to really wrap our head around the event. Because right now, I don't know about you, I'm more concerned about logistics of travel than the event itself. Yeah, kind of like my minor panicking about that. I'm like, everything needs to go OK, please. We're going to be fine. Anyway, so why don't we set our goals for GoFest Seattle a little bit later. But let's set our regular goals right now. Uh, all right. Well, we have community day in two days for our time. Yeah. Probably around the time this is coming out for everybody else. Mm-hmm. I'm only going to get to play until one for that day. Cause I wasn't, I wasn't taking that day off. We're going to say six shinies and I'm going to say like 500,000 experience. Cause I'm, I'm not expecting to actually do very well. You said 600,000, uh, 500,000. 500,000, 500,000. All right, cool. Uh, I mean, I don't really actually have much else going on right now. I probably wait on the regular ones like kilometers, eggs, and stuff like that because those will absolutely be GoFest Seattle goals. Uh, that would require me to buy incubators, though. Have you not already? No. Grab me before they take those boxes down, man. Are the, are the boxes actually okay right now? Yeah, yeah. There's one that's got, I think, 16 supers in it. <sighs> okay like maybe that. 18 the no, wow I, I, will, I will consider that that's good all right so for myself oh just to recap six shinies and five hundred thousand experience for you because you're only playing until about one yep okay for myself i want 30 shinies and two million experience because i plan on playing until i've hit those goals <laughs> okay <laughs> all righty that sounds good to me well that's the end of the show. Dear listener, thank you so much for listening all the way through. Kyle and I will catch you in episode 200. If we don't see you first, like at GoFest Seattle or something. <laughs> Until then, shiny vibes, have fun, and we'll catch you then. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.